0: A soldier of the cross of Jesus. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. You have to know the principle behind John 3.16. That's the word. Christ is enough. Christ is the enough. Thing is, when you read the Bible, when you understand how beautiful the presence of God is, you can't take it for granted. The Bible says that you must eat of this word. It's only the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Christ is enough. Christ it's only the is precious enough. blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Hello, this is Pastor Caleb Suko. Thank you for tuning in into Calvary with Caleb Suko. Please prepare your hearts as we listen to this week's sermon. I greet you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like I always say this at the beginning of every sermon that I preach, it is my privilege to preach the word of the Lord. For everything that Christ has done for us, it is my privilege to preach the word of the Lord. So we're continuing in our series of James. We're in the penultimate chapter, that's chapter 4 of the book of James. And in chapter 4, it really sort of apexes. This is really now the business end of this book. And we really got to sink our teeth into it. I've entitled my sermon, My Friend Named Humility. My Friend Named Humility. Because humility must be my friend. Humility must be your friend. Humility has to be our friend. And as I preach the sermon, you'll understand why I've entitled it, My Friend Named Humility. So like I was saying, we're in chapter 4, and this is the apex of the book of James. The author of the book of James is James himself, the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why half-brother? Because they had the same mother. (laughs) They had the same mother. Mary gave birth to the both of them. Um, Also, in our Bible study, we've been going over the chronological order Of the books of the Bible, the book of James was the first book written in the New Testament. All right, because if you open up your New Testament, it'll start with Matthew. But chronologically speaking, James was the first book written in the New Testament. Right, so let's open up to the book of James, chapter 4. And uh, I have four points in my sermon today. Point number one, the problem is pride. Point number two, the solution is humility. Point three, Christ, the ultimate judge. And point number four, the Christian life of humility. Right? Get it? Got it? Point number one, the problem is pride. So let's turn to the book of James, chapter four. And I'm reading from verse one all the way to verse six. And our key verse will be Six right. so let's go into verse 1. The Bible says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Two, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask you ask and you do not receive because you ask a mess that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now he's talking about right motives. Verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of of God, verse 5, or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So let's get into point number one. The problem is pride. People that are proud are walking in their flesh. You cannot tell me you are living in the Spirit and you are a proud person. It does not work that way. People that are walking in their flesh are proud. People that are proud are walking in their flesh. In their flesh, they lust after things, after the pleasures of this world. They want things in their flesh, they want more things in their flesh, the pleasures of this world they want it in their flesh. That is not a desire that the Holy Spirit gives to us. That is not something that is Christ-like. That is not something that's ordained by the Father. This thing here in our flesh that we lust after the pleasures of the world does not come from our spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. This comes from our carnal nature which we have not killed. You cannot be in two places at once. You cannot be in the spirit and in the flesh. The two don't mix. The two don't mix. Then he says something here in verse 3. Let me read it for you. It says, You ask and do not receive. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. He's talking about motives. You're asking God for something, but you have impure motives. That's the issue. You ask and you do not receive because you have impure motives. Imagine me asking God for a new car or a big house or something of that matter, something materialistic. Not because I have a need, I'm asking out of an impure motive because I want to use that thing to show off. That's what he's talking about. You're asking not because you have a need, You've been greedy. You want to use that thing to show off and sound better than the next person. You ask and you do not receive. That's the point is coming to. You are proud. Proud people ask for things they do not need. When they ask for things, proud people, they ask with the motive that I must show off. And I must prove to the next person that I am better than them. That's the issue. That's the issue, that's the issue, wrong motive, wrong motive, wrong motive. Proud, proud, proud. The problem is pride, the problem is pride. In verse 4, he uses a phrase here. James says, adulterers and adulteresses. Now, we need to understand what this means because this is a term for someone that broke the law in the Old Testament. But look how heavy this is. We're living in the New Testament now, and James brings it into the New Testament. What is he talking about here because he uses such a heavy word, adulterers? Let me explain, let me explain. You see, you and I, we are in covenant with God. We are in covenant with God. God is in covenant with us. And when we go into the world, we become adulterers. You understand? By us going into the world, we are leaving Christ and we are going and committing adultery. Let me break it down to you like this. How many wives or how many brides does Christ have? One, because the church is the bride, right? The church will become his wife. So he only has one. And how many Christ's or how many husband man does the church have? One, it's Christ, right? Christ is the husband man. So, when we go into the world and we enjoy the pleasures of the world, we are leaving Christ And committing adultery with the world. That's why he says adulterers and adulteresses. Imagine, imagine this. A marriage and the wife says to the husband, I love you, but I love that man as well. Does that make sense? Or a husband saying to his wife, I love you, but I love that woman as well. Let's see how we can make things work. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. It's nonsensical. (laughs) But we do that with Christ when we sin, when we go into the world and enjoy the pleasures of the world. We are committing spiritual adultery. He is the husband man. He is the only husband that the church has. By us going into the world, we are saying Christ is not enough. That Christ cannot give us joy that sustains us. That Christ is no longer perfect. I want what the world wants. And who is the God of the world? Satan. So what you're actually saying is, I choose Satan over Christ. Adulterers, look how heavy this word is. Adulterers, adulteresses. How can you choose Satan over Christ? How can you do that? How can you do that? And when you do it, look what he says in verse 4. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You become an enemy of God. You broke covenant. Now God sees you as an enemy. Come on, man. Look how, look at this covenant. Look at what Christ has done for us. We have to honor this covenant. We have to honor this thing like a, like a married, married couple that Honor their vows to each other. We have to honor our covenant with Christ. We have to honor our covenant with Christ. Let's go. Let's go down. Let's go down. Let's go down the scriptures. Let's come to verse 6. My key verse in that portion. Verse 6. It says, But it gives more grace. Therefore... He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, right? God resists the proud. We've heard this. It's a Sunday school verse as well. We grew up learning it. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's unpack it. Let's unpack it. Let's understand what he's saying. When we go into the nexus of this thing, when we really sink our teeth into it, it's God literally resisting the proud. It's as if he's not allowing you to come near him. He's resisting you. He's resisting you. God resists the proud. God does not allow the proud to come near him. But he gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. Now remember, I said point number one, the problem is pride. And then I said point number two, the solution is humility. But he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives more grace to help those whose hearts are in the right place. To mortify the flesh. To mortify the flesh. He gives you grace. You see, when your heart is in the right place. And you sincerely want to seek the Lord. And honor your covenant that you have with him. When your heart is in the right place. And God can see that. And he understands there's a war going on in your flesh. That you, daily you will have to kill this flesh in order to honor him. If he sees that our heart is in the right place and we're doing the best that we can, God gives us more grace to honor him. Because of the humble position in our heart we have taken, we are relying on him we are relying on His Holy Spirit to empower us to worship Christ and to live a life that's pleasing towards Christ. More grace is given to the humble, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Now that brings us into point number two. The solution is humility. I'm going to read from verse 7. Therefore, you need to understand it. It takes everything from verse 1 to verse 6, everything that we've said, everything. Pride is the problem, everything. And then it starts with therefore. Therefore, considering pride is the problem, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Therefore, because pride is the problem and the solution is humility, Therefore, considering all of this, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It's going to verse eight. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What is this drawing near to God? Drawing near to God is you seeking after the Lord. You're drawing near to him. But first you have to submit. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? But now we have to draw near to God. We have to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. That's what he's saying. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord with all of your heart. Cleanse your hands. Why? Because you went into the world and you were doing things how the world did it. Impure, unrighteous actions. Unrighteous way of living. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guard your heart, the Bible says. Purify your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Purify your heart. You double-minded. And you know the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, it's a call of repentance in verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep. For what? For committing adultery. What have you done? What have you done? You went into the world. You broke covenant. What have you done? Look how heavy this is. We just can't say, oh Jesus, I'm sorry, please forgive me. No. He's saying lament. Mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Mourning. And your joy to gloom. Look how heavy this is. It's got to bear on our conscience what we have done. We can't loosely say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I repent because we've been doing it for so long. No, the Bible is calling us to true repentance. True repentance. Lament and mourn and weep. Lament and mourn, and weep. And verse 10, my key, key verse in that portion, the Bible says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humble yourselves, humble yourselves. The solution is humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Now, we need to, We need to unpack this last part there that he will lift you up. He will lift you up. What does that mean? He will lift you up. He will lift you up. Who was lifted up? Christ. Christ was lifted up. Where was he lifted up? On Calvary, on the cross. This has to do with salvation. And he will lift you up. Because you went into the world, you went out of the presence of the Lord. After you truly repent and he will lift you up, it's a pun, you will come back into fellowship with the Lord. You will have the presence of the Lord. You will have a close and intimate walk with Christ. That's the issue. The prosperity gospel will take this thing and make a bonkers sermon out of it. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and your bank balance will grow and all this rubbish, you've heard the poison. Let's go to the text. Let's understand the text. How can growing your bank balance be higher than the presence of the Lord? The text is talking about being in unity with Christ, having close fellowship, close relationship with Christ. Let's go to point number three. Christ the ultimate judge. And I'm reading verse 11 and verse 12. The Bible says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one law giver. Who is able to save and to destroy? Who are you to judge another? Now, last week we spoke about Matthew chapter seven. That on the Sermon of the Mount, he's calling us in Matthew chapter seven to judge in righteousness. Why does he want us to judge in righteousness? It's to keep the church pure. To keep the church pure right? To keep the church pure. That the church will be the bride of Christ. That the church must come into maturity. That we have to be a mature bride for Christ. But now, when we read this text, it sounds like it's contradicting Matthew chapter 7. So what is this text really all about? There's no contradictions. Scripture Compliments scripture. Scripture complements scripture. So let's understand this. Now, the best way I can explain this, and John Calvin said it the best, and I'm going to read a quote from John Calvin because he encapsulates it the best. I can't explain it to you better than this. I have to quote John Calvin because he does such a wonderful job on this. And I quote those who super condemn the acts and the words of others which do not please themselves, thus aiming at the reputation of sanctity, put their own morality in the place of the law and claim to themselves a power of censoring above the law of God condemning what the law permits. And that's a lot let's explain it these people here this group of people here they are not judging in righteousness as let's explain this whole text who wrote this book James who is James the half-brother of Jesus Christ James was there when Jesus preached that sermon the Sermon on the Mount he understood what Jesus was saying. Now he writes a letter because what Jesus intended is not what is happening. Jesus wanted us to judge in righteousness to keep the church pure, but people are judging each other from their own ulterior motives. And they're using the word of God. In fact, what he's addressing is the abuse of the word of God when people use scripture to control other people for their own hidden agendas. That's what he's addressing here. Because we must judge in righteousness. Jesus said it. But James is addressing those that want to use the scripture for themselves, that think they are equal to the lawgiver, that think they are equal to Christ, that think they are equal to the law. That's why he says at the end of verse 12, who are you to judge another? Do you think you are Christ? Are you Christ? What Christ asked us to do and what you are doing are two different things. You've taken the law into your own hands. That's what he's coming to. You are abusing the word of God for your own selfish gain because you have ulterior, Motives, ulterior motives. You are abusing the word of God. And people like that, first and foremost, are proud. Proud people. Secondly, they rely heavily on titles, title driven. And because of that, and they have to prove themselves right, they abuse the word of God. But look what he says, lament and mourn and weep. You sinners, how can you do that with the word of God? We can't do that. We can't do that. We can't abuse the word of God. We can't do that. How can you see yourself equal to Christ? How can you see yourself equal to Christ? Christ that you think you are God. You think you're God in the church. You think you're God in your house. You think you're God in your business. You think everybody else must bow down to you because you have a certain air and grace about yourself. You are proud. You can't be proud and walk in the spirit. The two don't mix. Repent. 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 The cure, the solution is humility. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. You can't abuse the word of God. This brings me to my fourth point. The Christian life. Of humility. From verse 13, he says like this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? Is it not a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, a heart of humility, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's unpack this whole thing. Let's unpack this whole thing because it talks about boasting. And the point here, in point number four, the Christian life of humility. Humility in Christ is vital for growth in Christ. But let me explain this. Let me explain this because he's talking about a certain proud person that wants to show off about tomorrow. That tomorrow, tomorrow we're going shopping. Tomorrow, next time this year, I'll be on holiday. In six months time, I'll buy a new car. In a year's time, I'll leave this area and I'll be living in a more upmarket area. That's what he's talking about. And he says, don't do it. Don't do it. Last year, you was boasting about going on holiday this year. For what? You need to prove that you're better than someone? I'm not saying don't have relationships, have friendships, and say things to people that you trust. But if you're using your holiday to boast, no, my friend. That's not what Christians do. That's not how we behave. That is not Christ like. That's what he's saying, yeah? That's what he's saying, yeah? Anybody's financial situation can change overnight. That's what he's saying, yeah? He says, look in verse 4 whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You've got 70 years. Don't you want to use your 70 years in humility before Christ? Or you want to use your 70 years in your flesh and boast? That is the question. How do you want to spend your time here on earth? It's like a vapor. You Yesterday we were children. Today we are old. What do you want to do with your time? Do you want to spend it in your flesh? Or do you want to spend it in the spirit? In humility before God. Christian life of humility. See, a proud person is self-centered. Everything is about me, me, me. I did this. I did this. I'm going to do that. I did that. I'm going to do that. But a person who is humble doesn't talk about themselves. A proud person talks about themselves. They are self-centered. A person that is not proud, that is humble, Is Christ centered. Fine, go on your holiday. But look what it says if the Lord wills. When you went on your holiday and you told people what a lovely time you had, you said, But the Lord willed, the Lord blessed me. I went and had a beautiful time with my family. It was only because of the goodness of the Lord. The Lord made a way for me to enjoy myself. Look at the tone, look at the position. Very different. No one's saying don't go on holiday. Go on holiday. Enjoy yourself. But do it in humility. That is the point. Don't boast about tomorrow. Don't be proud. Don't be carnal. Stay humble. Stay humble before the Lord. Pride is a problem. But the solution is humility. To wield the sword of the Spirit is not to be equal in nature to the Word of God. And I close on this. The main thing must be the main thing. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Christ is the main thing. The main thing must be the main thing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. We are eternally grateful for the sacrifice of your Son. We are eternally grateful for the Holy Spirit taking us to Christ. Today, Father, we ask that if we have sinned in any way, that if we are found to have pride in our hearts in any way, we come and we repent before the altar of God. We come, we lament, We mourn, we weep, not saying it loosely, but with the heart of repentance, with true repentance. We want to be back in fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ. We want to be back in your presence. We want you, Christ. We want you. We don't want the things of this world. This world has nothing for us. We just want you. We want your presence in our lives. The pearl of great price. We want you. For those of us who are find ourselves in that position. Father, we truly repent. We truly repent. Help us, Holy Spirit. Empower us. Give us grace. Give us more grace to walk this walk with Jesus Christ pray this in the name of Jesus with much thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, Calvary with Caleb Suku. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. You're welcome to rate, review, or comment below. Until next week, let Christ be seated in our hearts. God bless you.